stand, if you are able, for a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. Please read with me the highlighted verses. But he said to him, A man once gave a banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to his servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Welcome this morning. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors here. Uh, thanks for being here with us this morning. Uh, I heard some chuckling as uh, the scripture was being read, and it's, I think in some ways it's supposed to be funny. Uh, and we'll get to a little bit of that, but um, uh, just a little story before I begin. Early on in the pandemic, uh, it seemed like the whole world stopped. Schools were closed, people were working from home, stores shut down, even churches were shuttered. There was no travel happening. We weren't going anywhere. We were all stuck at home for a while. Now life seemed to come to a screeching halt. But as much as that is true, life also needed to go on. So for example, whether there's a pandemic or not, or whether the world has stopped or not, people still have babies. Babies don't stop. And again, I think maybe around the room there are some COVID babies, uh, people who were uh, little people who were born during this uh, during this season of life. But along with the new, uh, with the joys of new life, we also experience the pain of the loss of life as well. Uh, during the pandemic, I attended uh, a memorial service outdoors in a large space. Uh, death doesn't stop. Um, I viewed. And attended a funeral online. I don't know if you could believe that. But uh, these are some of the things that we experienced during the pandemic. I celebrated my son's graduation from high school uh, by sitting in chairs on the field with the graduates in the stands. Uh, it was real strange. Yes, we all learned how to Zoom during the pandemic, conduct work online, live stream worship services, go to school virtually. Not sure if there was much learning that was happening virtually, but the strangest and most bizarre of the things that we've experienced or I've experienced in the pandemic was 
being invited to a, a wedding online. You know, I mean, what do you do when you're in love and your desire is to be married during the pandemic? You have a ceremony online. You know, for this particular wedding, I received no cardstock email or cardstock wedding invitation. No fancy calligraphy. There was no need to RSVP or send a response that you prefer beef over chicken. No need to say whether you'll come solo or whether you'll come with a plus one. Instead, I received an email invitation with the date and the time of the wedding, where they had been registered for gifts, where you could purchase online and send online. And because the wedding was online, they did not care how many were RSVPing. I guess it didn't really matter. If you showed up or not, whether it was a viewing party of one or a large gathering around a computer. Well, it seemed like a great idea, alternative to what was happening around the world, to make the best of their situation. I had planned on it. I had planned on going, going. I kept looking often at that invitation and the dates of that wedding. And as much as I loved them, I could not get myself to attend a wedding online. But you see, it's not just online events. We all have made decisions to cancel last minute. Something comes up. Something always comes up. Or we just don't want to go. Or if you're in 2023, you come down with COVID. And there's this parable that Jesus teaches, the parable of the great banquet that Jesus narrates in the book of Luke. Sounds like the banquet of the decade. He said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Perhaps it was the wedding of his daughter to celebrate together with family and close friends. Or perhaps this great banquet was a practice of the upper class, those who had money in this part of the ancient world where the who's who and the notable or the prominent were invited to this social event. In either case, invitations were sent out to carefully chosen people. There was a guest list and requests for an RSVP were asked weeks in advance of the reception so that the family could prepare the food and the tables for the right number of people. This will be the first of two invitations. Verse 16 implies that invitations were sent out and responses were received. Many had agreed to come. And so as soon as the preparations were complete, a second invitation would go out, which brings us to verse 17. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. And perhaps as quickly as, the, as they accepted the invitation, they just as quickly declined when the time had come and the excuses start rolling in. Listen to this. But they all alike 
began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And then a third. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. The people who said they would come to the banquet now give excuses when time comes to attend the banquet. I'm sure we've all been on both sides of this. We've either canceled on someone or have been canceled on. We made plans to attend a birthday, a wedding, a family get-together, but some things come up. Or we made plans for people to attend our events. There were preparations and a good deal of money spent and then people don't show up. There are all sorts of reasons why a person decides not to come or why they choose not to go. I'm too busy. I've got more important things to do. I don't have time or I don't feel well. There's too many demands at work. I can't do everything. I have to make choices. Jesus lists three. And I don't know about you, but these seem legitimate to me. These seem like legitimate excuses to decline an invitation, at least to me. Perhaps if I ever use uh, these excuses, you will respond back by saying, no problem, bro. We'll get together next time. Or, or uh, congratulations, let me know how I can help you with your five yoke of oxen. Perhaps this is the point in the sermon where we jump right to the application and we say, okay, okay, what does this story have to do with me? If you read the passage too quickly, when you breeze through the passage and try to come up with an application, I'm not sure if you're part of one of our Bible studies, and I just wanted to say our Bible studies are pretty great. We do something called inductive Bible inductive. Uh, uh, Bible study methods where we uh, look at the scriptures and try to glean from it what the, what the Word of God says, what the Word of God means, and what the Word of God uh, means for how, we, for how I apply that to my life, right? It's kind of the, the rules of inductive Bible study. And so I know I'm making this uh, great mistake by going right into the application, but what if I said, let's jump right to the application. What, what, what might we say when we read passages like this? I mean, what do you think Jesus might say? Stop making excuses? Stop being lazy? Or stick to your commitments? Be a person of your word. Do what, you're say, what, do what you say you're going to do. Let your yeses be yes and your no, no. I mean, that's how I would read it if I would read the scripture too quickly and Try to come up with these New Year's resolutions, right? Be a better person. Stop making excuses. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. We might say uh, we have time for all sorts of things like eating meals and playing games and visiting with friends and, and even watching television. We have time. We have time for things that truly matter to us. And so in cases like this, perhaps it's just that we don't want it bad enough. And we just have to try a little harder. And perhaps that's the application we read 
when we come to passages like this. But friends, is this the point of the parable? Do these seem more like New Year's resolutions than Bible principles or even the point of the parable that Jesus gives? Kenneth Bailey, uh, author and, and pastor, describes these excuses in his book uh, called Through Peasant Eyes, a literary cultural approach to the parables in Luke. He says this, these are poor or shallow excuses. He compares the purchase of the five yoke of oxen to buying five used cars, sight unseen. Without knowing the make or the model, without even knowing whether the car will start or not. He says it's absurd that this man would buy the five yoke of oxen without first examining them. All of these reasons, as Jesus describes, are excuses. Who would ever wait to inspect his new property until after he had purchased it? Certainly no one in the Middle East where land, land transactions would take years and where every foot of land was carefully described in the agreement of the sale, who would purchase a used car without first looking under the hood? And Jesus says it's absurd that anyone would purchase something and then go to inspect it afterwards. And certainly the newlywed, could he not have asked if his bride could be his plus one and dance the night away at this great banquet. You see, for in the culture of Jesus' day, and according to Jesus, those excuses would be absurd and, and shallow and inadequate. These invited guests simply did not want to come, not that they could not come. Each invited guest had a different excuse, but they all agreed on this. They would not come to the banquet. And so in the culture of Jesus, this was not only rude, but an intentional insult to the host. No one ever, having said yes to the first invitation, rejected a second invitation. Let me pause right here for a second and say by way of interpretation that Jesus is talking about the many in Israel, particularly the leaders and the outstanding members of society of the nation who have been invited, who have been chosen, if you will, to take part in the, in the big banquet of the kingdom and God's salvation on that final day. And Jesus was saying, this was exactly what Israel's religious leaders were doing to him. They had received God's first invitation and the promises of the Old Testament. But when God's servant summoned them to the great banquet, they deliberately insulted him by refusing to come by faith. So when none of the guests who had been invited show up to dinner, the host becomes angry, and rightly so. Yet, in the righteousness of his wrath, in the righteousness of his wrath, he also remembers mercy. He is angry at their unjustified rejection, and yet he has a meal ready and desire to share it, so he instructs his servant to go out and find other people. And the servant is to do this quickly. 
because the meal is ready. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, bring in the blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. There is a wide invitation that goes out to those in the streets and the lanes of the city, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and lame. Think about that for a second. Who is out there in the streets? Who is there in the outskirts of the city? You ever get a chance to just drive around the city of Sacramento? Right on the outskirts of downtown. See, the story was scandalous because rich, important people don't invite poor, lame, blind, and outcasts into their homes for a social gathering. So at the spurning of the master's hospitality, he sells a feast to get a giveaway, and so he opens the doors to the outcasts of the community. If all of his wealthy guests refused to come, well, then he would scour the city streets of anyone who wanted a free meal, anyone who was willing to accept the hospitality. And so he expands this guest list. But that is not all. The invitation goes wider still because there's still more room at God's table. And so the master sends them out to the highways and the byways. And I believe as we read this section, there are some great important truths, some biblical principles for us to glean as we read through sections like this. It's not about trying harder or to clean ourselves up. It's not about these New Year's resolutions that say, don't be lazy, don't make excuses, or be a person of your word, be a person of integrity. Just three very simple things. One, as I read through this section, I think, I'm led to believe that we are not to make an assumption about our place at the banquet. We are not to make an assumption about your place, about our place at the banquet table. Again, right previous to this section, again, there's this uh, group of important people, group, important men who find themselves at the best seat in the house, the best seat at the dinner table. And Jesus comes and says, well, let the others have those places of honor and take the lesser seats. You see, anyone can fool themselves. We've talked about the sin of self-deception a couple of weeks ago. And the key is simply this. Have you responded to Jesus' invitation to repent and be a part of this kingdom of God? You know, I have come, and I have come to this conclusion as I read uh, portions of Scripture. Anytime, anytime we read a portion of Scripture and you see somebody, anybody, doing something stupid, you should think, 
that might be me in the text. Maybe. If you see somebody doing something in the text, doing something bad or evil or stupid, you might uh, stop and uh, stop saying a ha ha, but realize that it might be describing you. You see, because we have a tendency to read scripture and see activities like this, to look at people and say, how could they be so foolish and wicked? as to say they were going to come to this banquet and then fail to show up with these lame excuses. My friends, don't presume to be an insider on your own terms or by your own priorities. Don't presume that you're an insider because, as I hate to say, just because you're here at church. Because as we said at the beginning, you can spend your entire life wrapped up in the things of God, and at the end of the day, find yourself on the outside. Don't make assumptions about your place at the banquet. Number two, there's only one way to come. At the same time, there's a specific encouragement, and I love the encouragement because it's such a beautiful contrast to the warning and the encouragement is this. The invitation still stands. Jesus still opens his arms wide and says, come, welcome. Come for everything is now ready. Here's the catch. There's only one way to come. And the only way you can come is to recognize you are poor. You are crippled. You are blind and you are lame. That you, like the second group of guests in Jesus' story, are dependent, we're needy, we're broken, we're marked by doubts, we have baggage, we, we're filled with anxieties, we have fears, we're hungry, and we don't know exactly what we want. And Jesus looks at those who can claim that they are broken and lame and blind and smile and say, come. You see, what Jesus does in this parable is, is contrast the reverence and the irreverent. And here you have the contrast between the worthy and the unworthy. And when you look at the banquet, the worthy were outside and the unworthy showed up. And it's when we realize there's nothing that qualifies me to be at this banquet, but praise God, I have been invited that we could sit there at the banqueting table of the king. Don't presume or assume your place at the banquet table, but the second is that we have only one way, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says that there's only one way to sit at this table. It's by invitation only. And this invitation, as Jesus goes and sends his servants to the, the highways and the byways, says those who are broken and needy and dependent are the ones who are the most welcome. Those who need their stomachs filled are invited to the kingdom banquet. I've shared this uh, before, and I will share it again. My Professor in seminary, I remember uh, this clearly because it, it struck me so deeply because he said, uh, 
who I will find in heaven. He says three surprises. Who will be there? Who won't be there? And that I will be there. The three surprises when we get to heaven that those we think might be there aren't. And those we don't think should be there are. And that we classify under that third that we are that needy and dependent and crippled and lame and broken and, and blind and lame. And, and somehow and in some way that invitation has been granted to us to sit at the king's table and to eat with him that I will be there. I'll wake up after this life is over and be surprised. There's nothing I will have done. There's nothing that I will have that I will have merited to be there. And yet I will be. And then thirdly, if we could see ourselves as one of these characters in the story, perhaps we might see ourselves as the servant who goes out, who is commissioned by the king himself to go out to the highways and byways to invite people to this banquet. It's not ours, it is the king's. And we have been commissioned to go out and find anybody and compel anyone who will be willing to listen, who will be willing to come. We are the servant in the story, and as we close let me highlight for us as we look at this story. It says uh, here that we are to go out into the world and preach the gospel on the highways and byways to compel people to come. That we have to go out. That we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That perhaps it's not us waiting for people to come in and fill the seats of a church, but that our church has to go out into the city, into the byways and the highways. And, and anyone who would listen... Anyone who would lend a year to whatever we have to say. That the message that we have is not ours, but one that's been given to us by Jesus. That perhaps as we go out and we serve as, as mercy ministers, that perhaps people might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go out to the highways and the hedges into the city and into the country. We have to go out to them. We are to invite anyone, everyone, invite all. There are two extremes, yes, we see in this story, those who are doing well on the one hand and those who are poor and crippled, lame and blind on the other. Uh, these two extremes, again, but again, it says here, the third summon doesn't specify who's invited, that again, no one should be excluded from this invitation. We are to urge people to come. We are to compel them with this message of the gospel. Which leads me to ask, asking you this morning. Sure, we all have legitimate excuses. We're busy. We're tied up with commitments at work. We have family and friends that require our attention. But friends... What business could be more important than making sure we have eternal life? What property could be more valuable to have than a title to heaven? 
What relationship could ever be more important than the one we have with God who made you and who sent his son to die for you in your place? Friends, if you have not made that decision, my friends, perhaps this is the day. Perhaps this is the day that you commit your life to Jesus. Perhaps this is the day that we make that decision for eternal life. Because you and I both know that tomorrow is not guaranteed. What business could be more important than this?